0: So, Curtis, you gave me an assignment during the early hours of this morning to get in touch with City Hall to talk about what, of course, continues to be the biggest story, these migrants who attacked those NYPD cops in Times Square last week. They're still searching for maybe eight of them already.
1: Yeah, we're only interested in the first four that were cut loose. Uh, This morning I hosted the morning show with Andrew Giuliani and John Kaczmatidis as Sid Rosenberg uh, will not stay in Israel and do Aliyah as I had hoped. Uh, it is his eighth anniversary of broadcasting here at WABC with the great Bernard McGurk. Uh, this weekend is the anniversary. I'm going to do Ralph Edwards' This Is Your Life on the Overnights. You are. Sid, yes.
0: Oh, I can't wait to hear that. You
1: don't want to miss that. And uh, most importantly, we have in studio, as you can see, Nancy. I do. I see her. My wife, who will be doing the deep dive as the e-attorney. Hello there. On the questions and potentially the answers you get back, because this is the big story. It's gone viral all over the world. The beatdown of these Venezuelan illegal aliens who are housed in Times Square. They're right there. You know where? You know where the Mickey D's is on 42nd Street? Of course. Gigantic one. That was the biggest in the world. Right. What a lot of people don't realize is they never made money in that Mickey D's. It was just there for the signage, the value of people coming into the gateway of the world. No, they never made a penny at that Mickey D's. And then they closed it, COVID. And now it's opened up as housing for the illegal aliens that we're paying for. And it was from that location... Uh, that these guys came out of, because they were right there in front of the New Amsterdam Theater when on Saturday night they gave a beatdown to those two, uh, two NYPD cops, one a lieutenant, one a patrol officer. And, uh, I asked you with specificity to ask your very dear friend, Uh, What is his name? I
0: can't remember. Fabian Levy. Yes, Fabian. He's part of your tribe. yeah, He is a member of my tribe. He started
1: out as the publicist for the Adams administration. And like everyone else, the Peter principle exists in City Hall. You do a lousy job at a lower level. They kick you up and make up a job. Deputy mayor of public information. We've never had that before. No, we haven't. And the guy's being paid outrageous amounts of money to cover up for the mayor. So, what were the questions that I asked you to convey to your very dear friend? We were gonna.
0: We asked him what uh, the mayor thought about Alvin Bragg letting these four who had been involved in the beatdown—they uh, had been arrested—and then they were let go with essentially a desk appearance ticket. And of course, then they took off. So, we wanted to know what the mayor thought of that. Did he think that was a bad move on the part of the DA, or oh, was he okay with it? That was one of the questions.
1: Well, you know, he'll never. Ever. As in the words of the late, great Bernard McGurk, who would come in every day, he said, Eric Adams will never name and shame his friend Alvin Bragg. You remember that? Every I morning. Yeah. Okay. So we know he'll never do that.
0: Yeah. So the uh, second question was, do you agree with Governor Hokel, who has been very outspoken in the last 24 hours, that when these folks are rounded up, all of them are rounded up, they should be sent packing back to their home countries? That was the second question. All
1: them, wall 12. Yeah. Didn't matter, you know, if they only got one shot in right. or if they were the main adversaries, right? They all need to be rounded up and deported.
0: Right. So does the mayor agree with Governor Hochul should they be sent back home? Because he hasn't said one way or another what he thinks about that.
1: hasn't really said much of anything. No, he hasn't. Uh Okay. You know he is not going to cooperate with ICE. He's like Andrew Evil ICE Cuomo. They're from that same family, of thugs. They will never cooperate with ICE. In fact, uh, they want to sue ICE. Okay, so that's second question. Right. Third question. The
0: third question is: Is it time to bring back the batons? Those wooden batons, those billy clubs, whatever you want to call them. Should the cops be carrying them around again? Would it have been helpful? And even in that fight over the weekend, if they had them, uh, Mayor De Blasio, you remember, during his first uh, couple years in office. He took them away from police officers, and some officers have told us they'd like them back. So the third question was, is it time to bring those billy clubs back?
1: Uh, let me give you the proper vernacular. What's that? Nightsticks. Okay, nightstick billy club. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, yes, because cops could give the guys a wooden shampoo, right. which would ward them off, or hit them in their kneecaps and chins, n- knowing there are too many of them. But they would end up limping away. So when a squad car finally got there, they could say, whoever's uh, whoever's limping away, that, that's right. the guy's grabber. <laughs> right, exactly. No, it always works. No, of course it does. It's
0: easier to find them when they can't run away. So
1: you you offered these questions in initially. And what was your response from your lawnsman, uh, Fabian Levy? I heard back right away from Fabian.
0: And he included two people who are a member of the City Hall Press Corps. And he said that they would answer my questions. Well, well,
1: well, he is. The public propagandist for the Eric Adams administration. Uh, p- press officer, yeah, he gets paid the big bucks. Uh, I don't know how
0: much he makes, actually.
1: Two hundred and fifty-eight thousand dollars. Really? Oh, so you year. looked it up. Okay, that's a lot
2: of money. Yeah. That's, that's not a, a, bad hell of day, a lot day. of money. For he the, works hard.
1: Yeah, lies for the mayor every seven weeks. Once a week. Why is he kicking it down to his underlings? Don't know, and I haven't heard back. And you're not.
0: Well, no. In the past, I have when he's kicked him to the underleagues, I've heard back.
1: Not on this because the mayor's missing in action. I mean, well, he's at the funeral of Paul Bello today. Understood. Mm-hmm. But remember, he hasn't taken the lead on it. Kathy Hochul is taking the <laughs> lead on this. Round them up and deport them. Yeah, that was surprising, right? Well, no, if you looked at her recent polling data, you understand why she's taking that point of view. (laughs) But, no, you're of no consequence to me, your friends, your linesmen, the propagandists for Eric Adams. So you're covering up for his uh, ineffectiveness and inefficiency.
0: I emailed them at about 8.30 this morning. It is now 12.06. My
1: God, what do they do there all day? They
0: might just be finishing brunch now, and so they'll get back to me.
1: No, you know what it is. What's that? They know this is going to the wrecking team of Sleewa and (laughs) Sleeva. Do you know yesterday we had the highest ratings ever of the 12 o'clock rip and read?
0: You're kidding. What was going on during the rip and read yesterday?
1: Nancy's exclusive cuts that we're going to replay Eric Adams. Yes, I heard those. In Mm Brownsville. He didn't want McWhitey Whiteys to find out about that. That was all Nancy who did the deep dive and found that. By the way. I don't know if you heard my last story.
0: I thought you were going to jump all over that. My last story of this dog that somehow got on a New Jersey transit train and made it all the way to Hoboken, and nobody has any idea whose dog it is. Hey,
1: Weisenheimer. What's that? That will be the lead story on the Animal Welfare Hour featuring Nancy (laughs) and yours truly Sunday 10 to 11. I'll be listening. Yeah, I'll bet, right? (laughs) By then, I guarantee you still will not have heard back from City Hall.
0: Well, you never know. There's uh. well, you got 45 minutes left in the show. I will go check oh, my email again does and does ask him again your, where does, the answer does
1: is. Does your Lonsman observe Chavez?
0: I don't, I, my guess is probably no, but Hell I don't no. know for a fact.
1: Hell no, he works for Eric Adams, Farrakhan supporter. Enough of you, get out of here, get out of
3: here. Curtis Rip
1: and Check this out. This is The Riffin' Reed,
0: featuring Curtis Lewa. Talking
3: about...
0: Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This
3: is The Riffin' Reed. Welcome to the Hotel California.
1: Famous song by the Eagles Hotel California. Nancy, the four mutts, skells, the illegal aliens, first four arrested and cut loose in New York City, who gave that beatdown to the two police officers in Times Square. Have procured fake documents, surprise, surprise, have gotten a religious nonprofit, I believe to be Catholic charities. We'll go into that to buy them Greyhound bus tickets to pound the hound so they could make it to uh, Governor Grusom Newsom's state of sanctuary where he puts the illegal aliens up in hotels. And if, in fact, the NYPD wants them extradited back to New York, watch Governor Newsom say, let my people go. I will not extradite illegal aliens to New York or any state in the nation, we embrace criminal illegal aliens. So, so
2: you're saying they took a road trip to California on the taxpayer dime?
1: Yes, the taxpayer dime. Now, I'm assuming that along the way, because we provided them with smartphones, iPhones, they are watching Univision and Telemundo, the national broadcast, channel 41, 47 locally, and realizing their four pictures are up there. And they may never make it to Cali Cali. So what's next? Get off in Denver. Oh, yeah, Denver. There's 40,000 of our peeps there. We can sort of mingle in, dye our hair, you know, all of a sudden. They're not going to find us in the Mile High City, Denver, and we can puff puff pass all day. Anyway, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Enough of the music here, Rico Radabali. Let's start off. It was Saturday night. About 8.30 outside of the New Amsterdam Theater on 42nd off of 7th Avenue. Hundreds of people walking by, mostly tourists. And two uh, NYPD police officers, a lieutenant and a patrolman, are trying to herd the Venezuelans who live right down the block in what used to be the world's largest McDonald's, although it never made a penny. It was only there for signage. They, They sold it a lot. But during COVID, it was closed. And then, naturally, Eric Adams converted it to a hotel for the illegal aliens. That's where they live. So they were arrested and given disappearance tickets, desk appearance tickets. Now, Nancy, who has been a criminal defense attorney in Kings County and is an E-attorney and does the deep dive, that's how we're able to come up with all the information that nobody else has. Sort of take us through the process of what you've been able to find so far from the arresting officers to the determination to cut them loose with a disappearance ticket, what we know.
2: Okay, so it seems like the initial charges against several of the people now, gang assault is the biggest charge that they have because the assault that they did, any time you have people, three or more, who um, attack someone, that right, right away falls under the um, you know, the purview of gang assault. So you had almost every single one was charged with um, gang assault, assault on a police officer, uh, obstruction of justice, and disorderly conduct. So that's what they came into you know the precinct with. Now, what they ultimately were charged with, unfortunately, the highest charge that I see for everybody is assault in the second degree. So that's already a lower uh, felony than gang assault and certainly attack on a police officer. So... Um, based on that, it also looks as though that the um, prosecutor may have just, um, you know, tried to put forward some form of a bail package, whether it was monetary or some element of confinement, or, but whatever that was put forward, it was negated, and they all just got released on recognizance.
1: Let me tell you how this works, because I've watched them. First off, I'm very familiar with second-degree assault. You are correct. It is a much lower charge than gang assault. Because I've been charged with second-degree assault over the years. It is when you cause serious injury to a person, and you do, in fact, cause that injury, like breaking the guy's arm, and you then try to do it to a third person. I plead guilty. I did it a few times. And the cops pinched me, and this was against gangbangers, drug dealers alike, when the cops were arresting me like every other day. I know that charge. I would tell the sergeant, oh, second-degree assault, right? Yeah, you know it. Okay, so we're familiar. Uh, gang assault, a much more serious charge. So I'm going to tell you how it works now. The cops make the collar. They arrested the first four. They bring them down to the precinct. Do you know who the first call goes
2: to? No, who's that?
1: NYPD Legal. They have more lawyers now at one police plaza than sometimes they do cops. A cop can't do their job. Everything, and when it comes to being an illegal alien, a migrant, nothing. An average cop, a desk sergeant, a deputy inspector who's in charge of the precinct cannot make the decision. Right away, the phone call goes to NYPD Legal. And these guys have their orders from City Hall. What? Migrant? Illegal alien? Cut them loose. Cut them loose. They are untouchables. Because if you hit them with serious charges, it's going to make it look like their host, Eric Adams, who invited them here, has put them up in hotels in Times Square, $400 a night, culturally appropriate food, smartphones, iPhones, health insurance, the whole nine yards. It's going to make like... The mayor made a serious mistake.
2: Yeah, and some of the the rationale as to why they decide, well, supposedly decided to drop down some of the charges is because, well, obviously it's going to be harder to, they're saying it's going to be harder to prove that some of these people did it, so maybe we can only show two, so then it wouldn't qualify for gang assault. You were, first of all, you had a great video. I mean, it was on point, and you're in an area that has a lot of cameras, so when you have an assault on a cop, you would think that they would be scouring the area right away to get all the local cameras so that if there's a concern that this person's going to get off the hook because he didn't have a great um, you know, video the first time around, you would prioritize that, not say, well, this could be difficult, let's just let him off. That's not what you do.
1: Not only that, they stole one of the cops' cell phones. So right there, that's a serious charge. God forbid they had reached for the revolvers, which were easy to grab. You saw the cops were struggling with them on the ground. Easy to grab.
2: And they're all being represented by legal aid, FYI, so. Oh, so we're paying for that, too. Absolutely.
1: Uh, secondarily, and the mayor has not made comment on this, you notice everybody has comment. Kathy Hochul's taking the lead on this. Lock them up, deport them, right? Not even, you know, put them through the criminal judge. Deport them all. Where's the mayor on this? Saying nothing because Alvin Bragg, the DA, is his very dear friend. And in honor of Bernard McGurk, who is no longer with us when he was alive, would say even in his last waning days, every time he was on the air, he would say, Eric Adams never names and shames Alvin Bragg, never has from the very beginning. And what was the first thing Alvin Bragg did? He issued a memorandum to all of his uh, assistant district attorneys, Manhattan District Attorney's Office. You will not prosecute for resisting arrest. That is a not prosecuting uh, offense. You will not prosecute. He was bold and brazen about it. So now all the dogs are you like, know, hey, we ain't going to jail for resisting arrest. Huh? Yeah, I mean
2: It's it's certainly going to be hard to try and um, have people come into the fold of the NYPD when you see that they get beat up and they're, not, they don't have their backs, the DA's office. And you won't even give them a nightstick. And in, and in terms of why they would let them release uh, on their own recognizance, now, the reasons why, you know, you, you go into like the bail factors and why is someone allowed to leave? It's usually because they have certain elements of ties with the community. So there's a reason to think they're not a flight risk. So like, for instance, they have a local job. They have um, family within the community. They have a home. You know, renting things like that would establish it would be detrimental for them to just fly the coop. None of these people have any ties to the community. So right there, that should have been a reason not to really. Well,
1: them. I need you to do the deep dive because legal aid. Each one had a different illegal aid attorney. I will bet you when it came down to the question of what ties do they have to the community, probably each of their attorneys said, well, Eric Adams is their host. He invited them here. He takes care of them with taxpayer dollars. And he has basically ordered the police department to turn them into untouchables, that they may not be hit with serious charges because it'll be a really negative reflection on him. And he won't even allow the cops to have their nightsticks back to hit them, to give them a wooden shampoo, crack them in the kneecaps, in the shins, so that they limp up the block and the rest of the police could drag them and pull them into the hoose cow right away.
2: And in terms of this transportation, how they took the bus out of the system... The- They're saying, well, maybe what they did was they gave false names. What would be the difference? You don't get prosecuted anyway. They give their real names. It wouldn't have stopped them from getting on this bus.
1: This is what they did. All of the illegals now know you take the John Rocker Express, which is right down 42nd Street, the number seven train. You go to 82nd Street Junction Boulevard in the heart of Corona, Elmhurst, and they openly sell for everyone their illegal papers. So, Jose, Diego, whatever their names are from Venezuela, they learn very quick. Take the John Rocker Express, the number seven train, get off at Eighty Second Street Junction Boulevard. They sell them right on tables. What do you need? Social security card. You need identify. You need passport from Venezuela. What do you need? And if you got the money, they'll. You, you wait right there. In an hour, they come back and you're good to go. They all know that now. So it says here, Nancy, and this is where you're gonna to have to do the other big deep dive, that apparently a religious nonprofit Catholic charities. A religious nonprofit provided them with the bus tickets for them to go to California, didn't even check to see if it was valid ID, but Greyhound doesn't. You all you gotta do, you tell you show the The driver, right, you show uh, because the tickets are already purchased. You think the driver is checking you out when you're boarding? Now get on, get on here. And, hey, I don't want to hear you because I don't understand the language you speak. Just shut up and I'll let you know what's going on. That's the way those bus drivers are. So what are the potential religious nonprofits who take off federal tax dollars and give it to the illegal aliens to basically go all over the country wherever they want to go?
2: Okay, well, I'm definitely going to have to do the deep dive on this, but I've identified, um, close to 30, but they're from a, a vast array of different, um, you know, religious leanings. So, for instance, uh, the Jewish faith, Lutheran, Seventh-day Advent, uh, Adventist, Catholic, and non-denominational evangelical organizations are all in this mix. So I have to kind of look a little deeper.
1: Well, see, the Seventh-day Adventists would indicate they cannot travel on Saturday. All
2: right, so that's how that's they the
1: Sabbath, right? No, no, <laughs> the other six days, it's okay. <laughs> I noticed the Jehovah Witnesses and the uh, Church of the Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, they're not in on this yeah, scam, they, are they?
2: They have kept out of this.
1: And remember, ladies and gentlemen, this is not their church's money or their synagogue's money. This is federal taxpayer money. This is our money that the Biden administration gives to them to take care of the illegal aliens that Papa Chulo Joe Biden has invited in and that Eric Adams has said, I'll be your host. I would bet you it's Catholic Charities. So, look, uh, I realize you told me don't indict Catholic Charities yet because you want to do the deep dive. We will be back Sunday with the deep dive of Nancy Slewa and yours truly, Curtis Slewa, right after I'm on with Andrew Giuliani. It's 9 to 10. And then we do the Animal Welfare Hour from 10 to 11. So you got a lot of work to do between now and Sunday night, 9 to 10, because we need to expose all these thieves who are taking our tax dollars and funding much scales criminal, migrant, illegal aliens, asylum seekers, undocumented aliens, whatever you want to call them, who attack our police. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts?
0: This is the Riffin' Reed, featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Why
1: is everybody always picking on me? That's him on his knees. I know that. Everybody always picking on me. This is one of the many theme songs for Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, soon to be indicted by the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District and Mayor of the Illegal Aliens. Yesterday, uh, Nancy, although you weren't with us, you normally here on Thursdays, you provided us with the materials that no other media outlet had, As a result, I was informed by John Katzmatidis and uh, Chad Lopez that we had the highest ratings ever, ever, of the Rip and Read ever since I came back uh, from the campaign where I lost Eric Adams. And this was one of the many broadcasts I do at WABC. The highest ever. Why? Because of these exclusive cuts that Eric Adams' staff never thought than any white people would ever hear in New York City. Explain how you got these cuts in the all-black community with some Hispanics, Brownsville, in Brooklyn.
2: Well, in spite of his only one time a week open press conference, he does, um, you know, some of these community center. I don't know, like a town hall meeting. I call it a town hall meeting, but it's really like him just pumping himself up and, and, you know, trying to say that he's doing this great job. So he had a town hall meeting in a rec center in Brownsville, and he just went to town on every reference you could imagine. I mean, and this is to your point, Curtis, like when you say it depends upon what audience he's talking to. And you can clearly see that he was directing this message to Brownsville.
1: Black speak. First, he introduces his black deputy mayor's. And he uses a term that he would never say before an audience of Asians, Hispanics or whites.
3: Look at my look at my deputy mayors. First deputy mayor, Sheena Wright. Deputy mayor, stand up, stand up. They need to see you. Deputy mayor, Williams Ison, deputy mayor, Mira Josie, deputy mayor, Amazar. deputy mayor, Maria Torres Springer. Have you ever seen this much chocolate leading the city of New York?
1: Now, you imagine when I was running against Eric Adams, if I had said, we do not want to turn this into a chocolate city, USA.
2: Yeah, it's it's completely offensive that he says that. But and, and the fact that he just gets away with it, and, you know, and again, to the point of like when when uh, they report on these press conferences, he does. He gives the message he wants you to say. But then, when he's speaking freely here, a lot of people miss this stuff, and they don't ask him these questions. Why did you say that? Yeah,
1: because he ain't going to Sutter Avenue, where that community center is in the heart of Brownsville. Anyway, then he claimed that everybody is hating on him.
3: That's why people are hating on me.
1: Uh, well, that's me. <laughs> I, I, I'm a hater. I, I raise my hand. I say I'm a hater. And then he's trying to figure out why there's so many haters out there of him.
3: You're trying to figure out why they're hating on me? They're hating on me because those are... How I many of you go to church?
1: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know what that means, Ms. Sliwa.
2: It's, it's going to start down a, a pathway. I can already feel it.
1: I already feel him citing passages, Leviticus, going the whole nine yards, like Reverend Ike, like old-time Reverend Ike.
3: Ma'am, this is a Matthew 21 and 12 moment. Jesus walked in the temple. He saw them doing wrong in the temple. He did what? He turned the table Can't over. I went to City Hall to turn the table over.
1: does he not realize that Jesus turned the, the tables over on the moneylenders who were the Jews? That's kind of anti-Semitic, isn't it?
2: And, he wasn't, and, and Jesus wasn't wearing $5,000 suits.
1: That's for sure. And plus... The lobbyist, right, he doesn't turn away the lobbyist who comes with a bag of cash. He tells him, look, you can't come to City Hall because you got to sign in. You can't go to one police plaza because you got to sign in. But well, by Deputy Mayor Public Safety, the bag man, he has an office in the Verizon building, right, by the Brooklyn Bridge. You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to account. Just leave the cash in the bag with Phil Banks, unindicted co-conspirator who should have been in jail for police corruption years ago, but became a rat, a confidential informer, and helped put other cops away so he could live to be a bag man for another day. See, I can black speak, too. All right. (laughs) And then he hides behind the first black mayor, David Dinkins.
3: And who did we get after David Dinkins? Giuliani. It was a setup for a setback. That's what it was.
1: Hold on a second. I got to hear that again, Rico Radabali. Where was the explosive support that he was expecting in saying that, the applause?
2: No, and it was like total crickets in the room, and he had to just move on very quickly, but that line went nowhere for him.
3: I want
1: to hear that line again.
3: And who did we get after David Dinkins? Giuliani. It was a setup for a setback. That's what
1: it was. There was no standing ovation. Now, they were respectful to a black mayor. They all know Eric Adams. But normally, they'd have been up. Yeah, that Giuliani, you know, like with venom out of their mouth. No, nope. because they realized Brownfield was a hell of a lot safer when Rudy was mayor for eight years than the eight years of de Blasio and the two years of Eric Adams. But he's hiding behind Dinkins.
3: And so I know that many of you may stand around and say, well, you know, Eric, we don't like this. We don't like that. We don't. I got it. I got it. I got it. That's the same thing they did to David Dinkins. <laughs> what
1: did they do to him? <laughs> he never he got didn't... indicted for corruption. <laughs> Look,
2: we'll David, like, we'll Dinkins, like
1: right, David Dinkins did a lot of bad things by being missing in action. But he was never indicted for corruption. Look, even de Blasio almost got indicted. I don't know what the hell he means by that. And then he talked about, I guess he was comparing himself to David Dinkins, how they just wore David Dinkins down. That's why Giuliani became mayor.
3: And you know what happened with David Dinkins? They wore him down so much that black folks didn't come out to vote. They said, you know what, we, we're not coming out. They just beat him and wore him down over and over and over again.
1: Uh, Sort the of Christ, they're making a lot of Christ, black Jesus references. Wore him down. Beat him down. What is, what, what is Eric carrying across? What was David Dinkins carrying across? The reality is, Nancy, I did the analytics. He is right. Black people did not come out and vote as much for David Dinkins as they did the first time. He was the first black mayor. Obviously, a lot of people, they were disappointed. So they didn't vote. But they didn't, I'll tell you, they didn't vote for Rudy. They did not vote for Rudy. They just stayed home.
2: Yeah, and that's really dumbing down the body politic. As though you can't sort of figure out the sentiments as to why people maybe aren't, you know, incentivized to want to vote. Maybe it's because of politicians like you running for office.
1: Well, remember, right now he's playing the race card as the indictment day is hanging over his head. And he believes that his complexion is his protection.
3: And you know what happened with David Dinkins? First woman police commissioner of color. First Spanish-speaking police commissioner. First Spanish-speaking uh, uh, correction comm- com- Commissioner, go through the line of what we're doing in two years. That's right, because that's how we do it when you're from Brownsville.
1: So now, a little appeal to the Hispanics in there. You know, he sort of negated them in the beginning. It was all about, it was a black thing. But about how much of the audience would you say was a Hispanic? Probably Puerto Rican and Dominican being from Brownsville?
2: I mean, very small. I mean, I'm not sure if I saw any. You know, significant amounts there.
1: Well, didn't want to leave them out. And then he finished with the tagline.
3: So here we are in the place of my birth. People can say what they want, but you have a mayor from Brownsville. Never ran and never will.
1: Now, it's true. He was birthed in Brownsville. I think either Linden Projects or Seth Boyden. Uh, But he didn't live there that long. His mother took him and his brothers and sisters out to southeast Queens. Yeah, you're
2: right. He didn't run. He took the bus.
1: Exactly. Took the bus. He didn't take the subway, that's for sure. There's no subway in Southeast <laughs> Queens. You got to take the bus. But he didn't live there that long. Do you realize, long before I met you, in 1974 to 76, I lived, the only white guy in Brownsville on Osborne and Hegeman for two years with a on the door.
2: That was on the mailbox.
1: No, no, it was right on, <laughs> on the doorway. And that's when the Jews lived in all the tenements. So him representing himself as a Brownsville guy, he was really Southeast Queens. But it's okay. It's a small deviation. But, Mrs. Slewitt, you've dug up stuff here. Oh, my God. What when, when you were telling me, what's happening to him now in terms of this ongoing investigation, I said, are you sure, Nancy?
2: Yeah, no, actually, this is crazy because what he's already being investigated for is bad enough, but I can't believe that the current fundraising is involved in this level of, of of issues. You have contributors, um, including their spouses, who are claiming they were reimbursed for the donations that they made in for, for the donations they made. They're actually giving the money back.
1: Now wait is it this is not for the race against his democratic foes in the primary and then against me in the general election twenty twenty one.
2: No, this is the current election cycle, the current donors. For twenty twenty five. Correct, for twenty twenty five.
1: If in fact he makes it to twenty twenty five without going to jail.
2: Yeah, I mean and, and this and this story is just going into three specific people and obviously there's many more that they're 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 going into, but it's so completely pay for play because one of the individuals who um, you know, took part in this scheme works for a company and the company, you know, did that and then now it's like right after they made these these um Donations beyond the amounts. They enrolled in the New York City government contract portal, and they're trying to get contracts with the administration now.
1: So they wind dine, and pocket line Eric Adams to uh, give him money for his reelection campaign in 2025. And the kickback is you get a contract.
2: Yeah, so it's like, I mean, it looks as though what the scheme is, that all these different employers were told to give money and then reimburse the money they gave so they could help the campaign, but no money out of pocket for them. And then this company got a contract. So, a, that's a federal yeah, crime? Yeah, that's, that's looking even worse than what he was, was accused of already. What is, it, what is wrong with this, this guy? not looking good.
1: Nancy? Not looking what good. I tell you, even when he read against me? He thinks he's impervious. He's omnipotent, pretentious, obstinate. But again, it all comes down to, I'm Eric Adams, and my complexion is my protection. You want to hear... Nancy up next, with everything she said, she would do a deep dive on earlier about the 4 months skells, illegal aliens on the lam at taxpayers' expense to the Hotel California to be protected by Gruesome Newsome, the governor of California who gives sanctuary to all illegal aliens, Sunday night, 9 to 10, right before the Animal Welfare Hour from 10 to 11. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station. 77
3: WABC.
1: Anthony Weiner, your numbers with John Matidis The last four Saturdays, four to five have blown me out of the water. They're like double the ratings like when I'm with you on Saturdays from 4 to 5. In fact, the call of John Matitis, which it's almost like haunting me.
3: Anthony! Anthony!
1: He can't be in the ring. He's got to be down in Florida again. Boy, the guy's spending a lot of time in Florida. Wait
4: a minute. He's not showing up on Saturday?
1: No, he's going to be in Who's filling in for him? Guess what? They wanted Roger Stone. He said he wasn't available, so now I'm like sloppy thirds.
4: Uh, uh-oh. You can always be wearing boxing of the t- of the tomato can that they put in at the last minute. Who's got nothing to lose? I'm
1: telling you, they have me on the shelf, and now I'm like, uh, you know, I'm Gil McDougal. I'm the, I'm the guy. I got to be able to be versatile, but
4: they... He wants to be in the ring with you, John. The ratings are like through the roof. Well, because people are looking forward to these kind of debates in 2024. But you've you got to give yourself more credit. You've been training. Everyone I go up against, you're actually behind the scenes training them, right? No doubt about it. But look, they uh they don't want to take you on. John looks
1: forward to taking you on. He's come in here at times he hasn't felt well. Uh, he had a series of meetings on a Saturday. He's like ready to go at you, and you you've gone at him
4: just because he's the owner and operator, uh, and talk show host also. You haven't held back. That's been Dave. Look, he and I are friends. We come from different perspectives on this stuff. So far, most listeners, a lot of people are tuning in. Most listeners have said that he's won most of the of the early rounds. But I'm getting better each week. I'm getting better.
1: And you're you're you, you're respectful, but you don't you're not deferential to the point where you're kissing his ass like
4: so many other of our colleagues. Oh,
1: oh Jack, you're wonderful, you're absolutely amazing. Oh, God, enough of that. All well, right, but it's
4: also the, the Trump love affair on this station is like, does anyone I mean, I don't think Republicans realize how vulnerable Trump is. Well, let's see
1: out of the panoply of different hosts and hostesses we have. Well, there's you. You're obviously in Biden camp. I'm always the free agent. They claim that I'm the rhino Republican in name only. They're always blaspheming me and everybody else. You're right. Is a Trumper with Sid having converted? After originally being uh, a supporter of Hillary, when he eight year anniversary this year. that's weekend, right. That's right. When he was joined with Bernard McGurk to do mid mornings, he was strong for Hillary. And then apparently he had an epiphany after the uh, first victory of Trump versus Hillary, and he's been a hardcore Trumper ever he since. He also,
4: and to his credit, he also had that epiphany when he converted from being an Italian Catholic to being the number one Jew here at the station. <laughs>
1: superseding you you were like <laughs> totally you were like idf the number one zionist the israeli flag you've been superseded uh, totally
4: he is he he's is the super jew at the station and he was great this week
1: all right so Haley is not bowing out is she almost doubling down i see her on all three networks msnbc cnn fox news channel which is what trump did originally in 2016 yep. and she fires away at trump every day but biden too What's the strategy here?
4: I mean, I think she figures if she has $1 left in her account, there's about 40% out there in the Republican primary that don't like Donald Trump. He's unpopular. He's under indictment, all these different things. I think she thinks if I can be the last one standing, I'm in good shape uh, four years from now. If I'm the last one standing, maybe I'll be the one, to that maybe Donald Trump has to not knock on my door at the 11th hour. Look, the, the Trumpers aren't going to like her, but let's remember, if you add up all of the... Trump only got 51% in Iowa, only got about 60% in New Hampshire. That's a lot of Republicans that don't want to vote for him.
1: And uh, Andrew Giuliani was about about as close to Donald Trump as anyone has said. He thinks that Haley is going to try to leverage Donald Trump by saying, look, you lose with women. I got 20% against you overall, including she says she's going past Super Tuesday. You need me on the ticket to get some of those women. If not, You may again face a defeat. I got to believe, I don't know uh, Donald Trump that well. I've had a love-hate relationship with him for 30 years. That might be possible. Or my perception is the no-labels party is still hunting for a candidate. They initially said they wanted a high-profile Republican with a vice presidential candidate who's a Democrat. And nobody is getting more FaceTime now than Nikki Haley. And, boy, if she would have run as a third-party candidate, even with 3%, look at, look at what Stein did, the Green
4: Party. That's exactly right. Listen, we're going to talk about this. I do a show called The Middle between 2 and 4 on Saturday, right before you and I have our big debate on left versus right on Saturday. But this is one of the things that I am curious about. It could just be that this is this is how it looks and that Nikki Haley believes this guy might not be standing. He might have some legal problem that catches up with him. He might physically. He hasn't sounded great recently. The same way a lot of Democrats think maybe Joe Biden doesn't make it to the starting line, maybe Nikki Haley is taking the long con that maybe Donald Trump doesn't make it there either.
1: Now, Anthony Weiner, I saw the first TV ad where they're making fun of uh, Trump, uh, you know, having a faux pas, verbal faux pas. Oh, my God. Trump, he gives hour and a half speeches. The president, Joe Biden, can barely speak five minutes. You're kidding. Is that the best you can do out of
4: the box? Listen, both of these guys are going to stumble their way into November, uh, but, but by no means to take either one of them literally or seriously about anything that they say.
1: You don't want to miss it. Tomorrow, from two to four, it's Anthony Solo and then left versus right. I'm the sloppy thirds in the ring.